Hello, my name is Cynthia, and welcome to the latest episode of Getting Your Together, a podcast where we discuss what it's like to get it all the way together, or at least attempt to, one day at a time. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode. Today, I want to really kind of dive into like self-compassion, right? I am a big believer in self-compassion. It is something that did not enter my vocabulary until I was sober. So I didn't learn about this until my late, mid, late 30s, y'all. And it kind of blew open my whole world. And it's something that I kind of just always go back to, always talk about when it comes to anything in life. It can be recovery specific. Like, you know, everyone who listens to the show, my show is basically about recovery, but this can be applied to anything in life. Even if it has nothing to do with drugs or alcohol, alcohol being for me what this triggered everything. But I just think self-compassion is just a wonderful thing. And I'm so happy and thankful that I found out about it. Also, another thing that I've, people that have listened to my show, have listened to other interviews and things that I've done. I talk a lot about self-compassion and a book, in a particular, a book from Kristen Neff about self-compassion. She was also on Therapy for Black Girls as well. Lovely, great interview. I was so excited. I will also link to that interview in the show notes so you can listen to that as well. But she kind of just goes through about how self-compassion should be like part of your self-care, right? It's something that you probably, if you're not exposed to this vernacular, this thinking that it's something you probably have to teach yourself, but it's something that is beneficial for your mental and physical well-being. So some people may be listening and like, well, what is self-compassion? If you didn't quickly Google it, you know, because some of us are quick with the Google, um, not gonna lie, but self-compassion is really about how you look at yourself, how you talk to yourself, how you treat yourself, and what order you put your needs when it comes to other people and things like that. Because I feel like a lot of us are taught how to be compassionate when it comes to other people. So like if it's a kid or a child, most of us like, you know, are very compassionate and very kind. Like, like, how are you doing? What do you need? Are you okay? And like other people that we care about, like family or friends, most of us, right? We will do that. Like, how are you? Are you okay? I'm just think. I'm just checking in, blah, 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 all that stuff. Because I know I do that for the people that I care about. But when it comes to yourself, do you also talk to yourself like that? Do you check in with yourself? Do you know what's going on with you, right? Do you understand what's going on with you? Can you name what you're feeling? Can you name what you're thinking? Can you talk about it? Or no? Are you just reacting to it? And I think that is kind of like, for me, the basis of like self-compassion in the work. I don't know if there's even a course about this, but if there's a course or something about this, I would sign up for it like today because I've learned about myself so much through the course of just this book and then the work that I've done, applying the tools, applying the thinking. I've just learned so much about not only myself, but like how my relationships were working because I've had long-term relationships with people, friends and family, and they weren't the healthiest. And some of that had to do with me not being a healthy person, just putting it out there, just being honest. But then I was thinking, okay, so now we know what self-compassion is. So how do some of us have self-compassion and why others do not have self-compassion? So self-love. I would say it's almost like unrequited. That was, it's kind of like a, a quote I've, I read in this, in Kristen Neff's book, but it's sort of like when something is 
unrequited and romantic compact in a sense, like one person's giving, but the other person's not really into it. And I feel like that is similar to being self-compassion, right? When you don't, you have a lack of self-compassion, you don't have a love for yourself. So it's unrequited. The self-love is unrequited within you, right? And so like, how did you get here? And I think a lot of this, and I can only speak for me, a lot of my stuff, I had to really dig deep because on the surface, and mainly because like, especially when I was drinking, I used alcohol, I used sex, I used a lot of things to cover up how I was really feeling and how I was really showing up for myself in the world or showing up for people. I kind of just coded it so I didn't have to think about it. I didn't have to assess. When I was newly sober, I didn't have the vocabulary. I didn't understand a lot of things. And it was kind of like being a child. I had to learn a lot of stuff. Granted, I learned, and I'm still learning. I will always be learning. I learned really a lot really fast, which I, like I said, I always say like my first year in recovery, I learned so much about myself and the world and things that I was just missing for so many years of my life. But I, when it came to me really understanding self-compassion, I had to go back and look at my, how I was raised and start really looking at the parallels because a lot of what we do is like, we're not always a hundred percent conscious of what we're doing or how we're reacting. Being self-aware is something that oftentimes a lot of us have to learn. I know I've had one of my best friends. She says like, I'm the, one of the most self-aware people that she knows now, but that didn't happen overnight. And there's still blind spots. There's still things that trip me the hell up. And there's still things that I'm going to be continually learning about myself. So this is something I want you to go into it thinking like, this is something that you're going to have to keep working on. You won't always have the answers. And that's part of what makes it interesting. But also it kind of alleviates that pressure of like, I have to be perfect. I have to get it right. I have to understand it 100%. It's like, you'll learn a lot you'll be able to assess things that are showing up showing up as a pattern for you and being able to like like navigate around that or through it but there's going to be situations that you're throwing in and you're going to be like what what the hell you know a lot of this stuff probably is attributed to most of us cuz there's going to be exceptions and outliers into like how we were raised like for me i was raised in a very verbally abusive home with my from my mother most of it my dad allowed a lot of stuff my brothers my brother and he you know he was the golden child. So he didn't really have much to say or back. It would, he wouldn't back down from that or back or support me. And I had friends in school, but I didn't really fit in. I didn't like the town that I was raised in for the most part. I just didn't feel safe anywhere. Right. Didn't feel safe at home. Didn't feel safe at school. I was constantly on high alert. So I learned that I had to present myself as a certain way in order to feel loved and accepted, which means that it didn't necessarily mean that that's how I truly was or that was my personality. I denied myself being able to show my true colors or my true self and opted instead to be what I thought others wanted me to be, which also would only work for a certain amount of time because I don't know if it's true for you guys, but I know for me, like if I started showing myself in a certain way, I would either try to manipulate it into my favor or I would get really resentful because I was like, well, why don't you like who I really am? And then I would do very self-destructive things or be very aggressive and like burst out and make a scene, all this other type of stuff. But a lot of that stuff came from having like really critical parents, having a critical mother, and then being in an environment where I was other. I was like usually the only black or the one of two black people, two to three black people in a class 
and it, my school wasn't that diverse at all, especially when I started getting into more of the AP honors classes. So I had a lot of fear of people. I didn't understand the world. And I thought that my the, my view of the world was really skewed because I never had the ability to say, had anyone say, how you are is, you know, good. How you are is okay. What do you like? What do you enjoy? It's more of like, Cynthia, you should be this. You're the firstborn. All your family went to college. You're going to have to go to college. You're going to have to be have a serious profession. You can't mess around. You can't do this. You know, I remember once when I was going away to college and my mother said to me, instead of saying like something like, well, I hope you because my mom didn't finish college. My mom was a smart, smart ass woman, didn't finish, finish college. And I actually don't believe you need college, a college degree to be successful. Like, I'm not one of those people. And I think I'm like that because of my mom and even my brother, because my brother didn't go to college either. And he's smart, too. You know, I think there's different ways to be intelligent. And I've met a lot of people that were book smart, but had no street smarts and couldn't function. And I'm like, how do you not hurt yourself every day? It is what it is. I think it's down to personality. That's a whole different thing. And I'm on a tangent. Back to my mom. My mom didn't finish college. And I remember I was going away to college for after the summer or something like that. And she said to me, instead of saying something like, I hope you do really well. I know you're a smart kid. I hope you do really well this semester, this quarter, right? Instead, she said to me, just don't get pregnant. And I was like, okay, you know, because my mom got pregnant with me in college. And I was like, all right. And she didn't finish. So I'm like, well, are you blaming me for not finishing school? It's like one of those things. So that's the types of things that I would get. I wouldn't say like, you did really well. Or I'm glad uh, you 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 you're you're on the dean's list. You're working and you have you're taking five classes. You know, I never got like that. I got like don't get pregnant. So I was sitting there like, okay, well I can't get pregnant, so I'm not going to do that, of course. So I have to be straight laced. So I didn't really date much in college. I had a girlfriend, I, f- I think, in my junior year, but uh, that was a whole th- different thing. She was just like an extension of my mom, really. When I look at it, very controlling. Had to be a certain way. But uh, but that was the type of thing. You know, I was never made to feel like I could be myself. The only times I felt like I was close to being myself was when I was drunk. And I didn't have that whole burden of like, Cynthia, you have to be perfect. I could blame, with quotes, my actions on the alcohol. But reality was that I was using alcohol as the crutch because I really wanted to be the one that acted out. I wanted to be the one that did bad things to myself because it was a reflection of how I truly felt about myself. I felt like I didn't deserve nice things. I felt like I didn't deserve nice friends. I felt like I didn't deserve nice people in my life romantically. I I felt like I didn't deserve to hear nice things about myself. People would pay me a compliment and I would just be like, stop. I would feel so uncomfortable. My therapist would ask me, people would ask me like, well, name, like say three things about yourself that you really like. And then my, my one answer usually was like, I think I'm kind of a good person. So I wasn't even definite about that. So there was a lot of that I was kind of unpacking because I just lived in this for so many years of my life. I just, it was just my reality. It was my identity. So when I got sober, I had to really take a step back and look at all of this stuff and say like, okay, Cynthia, this is kind of what you know about yourself now. And then let's kind of revisit the past. And that wasn't something that happened overnight. It was gradual because there's a lot. And I'm still unpacking stuff with my family. Still. And you're going to go through the range of emotions, happiness and sadness and anger and bitterness. Like you're going to go through all of the things. And you're just going to have to be like, you know, this is just where I am right now. But even with this, you still have to 
kind of be putting yourself like first, right? Or being kind to yourself through this. And that's sort of just saying, you know what? I'm just going to honor what I'm feeling right now. I'm not saying put it on other people. I'm just saying like, I'm going to honor my feeling right now. If someone asks you if you're fine or how are you, my blanket answer was always, I'm fine. I could be crying. I'd be like, I'm fine. I could be ecstatic. I'm fine. I could be angry. I'm fine. I could be scared. I'm fine. One of the first steps for me was saying how I truly felt in that moment. So if someone said, how are you? I would say, if I'm fine, I would say I'm fine. If I was happy, I'd say I'm having a good day. If I wasn't having a bad day, I'm like, I'm not having the best day. How are you? You know, just honoring how I truly felt, not sidestepping it, not saying I'm not going to honor that and like putting someone else's feelings above my own. A lot of times we put this emphasis or this pressure on us like, well, how is this other person going to react? I think a lot of people are like that too, but I think we are missing really authentic connections by just saying like, this is just giving, throwing out those blanket statements. Now, sometimes it's like, do you want to invest in everybody that's in your orbit? No, I definitely do not. I talk to too many people most of the day through my job. I'm not trying to connect and have like intimate connections with all those people. Just not. But even still, I mean, you can still be honest about how you're feeling and then keep it moving. At least they know where you're coming from. At least they know where you're at. That's kind of how I look at it. And another thing that I also had to work through when it came to self-compassion, it would is just like the loneliness. Like there's this is a lonely process at times because you're going to be sifting through so much. You're going to have to go through this alone. And you could have a partner you could have a friend and you could have those people in your life. You're going to have your social support system or, you know, whomever you reach out to, to talk to and congregate with and things like that. And they'll be there. But there's some of this work is like you're really going to have to sit with yourself and really dig in. It can be isolating at times because you're changing. But at the same time, you're existing in the world and your friends still see you the same but you don't feel the same. So there's going to be like this feeling of be feeling alienated. I know for the longest time, I couldn't talk to my friends, couldn't talk to my best friend. We went to California when I first got sober and I was just like, we couldn't really talk to each other because I was just, I felt so different. I felt like our relationship was different. I probably in hindsight, maybe, <laughs> maybe we should have went away together, but you know, it happened, but I was just in a different place. I was in a different mentality about things. And I didn't trust her, truthfully, because I would just felt so vulnerable and on edge and had nothing to do with her. It had to be had to do so much with what was going on inside me and me not understanding and having the vocabulary to articulate what was going on inside me. So that some of that stuff may happen. Just know that it will pass. It's just something that's just to note. In the book, she goes into detail and goes into specifics about this. I'm going to link, of course, to the book. And actually, I think I'm going to do a giveaway on this because I think I like to gift this book. I think I've gifted it out like two or three times already just because it's just meant so much to me. But there's stuff like that that you have to take into account. She goes into like mindfulness and just like how how we talk to each other, how we look at each other, how we how we look at ourselves, things like that. Like having a practice around that, which is another thing that your girl was not into because I was like, I don't I need to be in reality. I need to be in specifics like this is not for me. And and what else? I mean, I feel like this book is just so amazing. It talks about I mean, I love anything that kind of talks about the brain and the chemistry, but not just that, but also the brain and feelings and emotions and how you're relating to other people. So if you're single, it will speak to you. If you're a parent, 
it will speak to you. If you're in a romantic relationship, it will speak to you. I actually have to revisit the romantic relationship part because at the time when I was first reading it and I go back and I check in and read the book from time to time. So this is like a book that I kind of use as a reference or as a guide. But I was in in a serious relationship at the time when I first read it. And now that I am, or I'm assuming that it's more on the serious side. It is. I'm just joking. But I, I'm going to revisit it and make sure to keep pulling like some of those elements into how we relate. I didn't really read so much of the parent section because I'm not a parent. But if you are, there's stuff for you there. And it talks about understanding the differences between like self-esteem, what's good and what's bad when it comes to self-esteem. Because like self-esteem is a tipping point where you can kind of like fall into like narcissism and all this other type of stuff. It was just like no lie friends. Like this is something that just kind of just gave me so many words, understandings about myself, understandings about the relationships I've had, understandings about me and how I relate to other people. And just being able to articulate the types of things that make sense for me in a very simple way. Because sometimes I feel like you read these books and like I like a heavy read sometimes. Like I like to get into it. Like I'm like, do I know this word? Let me look, highlight. Let me look it up so I can throw it and start using it. I love stuff like that. Right. But this is a very straightforward read, in my opinion. And it's very practical because sometimes I feel like some of this stuff can get so like heady and you're like, huh, you know, this is a very practical and it has like little exercises you can do. That's your choice if you want to participate in those. I personally did them and I think they were very beneficial just because it helped me connect the dots to a lot of things that were happening in my present day with my past. But that's something that will take more time, of course, compared to if you just read the book straight through. It's really open. And it really talks about learning to love ourselves with where we are, who we are, with no qualms, no if ands, no but statements, things like that. And being able to let go of the fear of failure, opening up ourselves to just like life and what life has to offer at any stage of our life. Like this isn't for people that are just starting out in the world. This isn't for people that are retired. This is for anyone at any stage in their life. And I think that is what makes it so great because anyone can really take this book and apply these learnings if you're open to it. And like I said, I learned so much about myself when it comes to self-compassion, but I also learned how to be more compassionate to other people. It really changed how I showed up for my friends, understanding their boundaries, asking them how they are doing before I decide to like unload and unleash my my fervor upon them if I'm having a bad day. It's like, you know, it's stuff like that. The little things that really make you understand human connection with yourself, with other people, and just It really makes things, I feel for me, like more rich and more organic and more intimate. And I like one of the things that she has, she has some quotes and stuff in there that she utilizes. One of my favorites, and I'm going to end with this, is just something that you could use as like a mantra or write it down. Because I know I had a whole book, uh, whole pages in my, like so many pages in my journal was just me writing this phrase over and over and over again. And if you don't journal, I highly recommend that you do. But it is, may I be safe, may I be peaceful, may I be healthy, may I live with ease. And I'll say it again, may I be safe, may I be peaceful, may I be healthy, may I live with ease. And I loved it. Simple, to the point, not heady. And I love like, may I live with ease because I feel like in so much when it comes to so much of life, so many of us lived with such tension and uncertainty and trepidation and fear. And it's like to say, like, I want to be able to show up and just live with ease. I just want to be able to flow through this, be like water 
as Bruce, as Bruce Lee would say, who I maybe even want to talk about him on the show because he, oh my God, the stuff that he was talking about, nuts in a great way. Uh, let me not go into another tangent. I just love that phrase. It was something that brought me so much peace and like calmness when I first read it. And that's why I ended up spending so many times just, just writing that as I was working through some of the exercises, I would just write that out over and over again to kind of help jumpstart my thoughts. So yeah, I love this book. I think it's so amazing, so beneficial. Let me know if you've read it. Let me know what you think about it. If if you have read it, I highly recommend it. I'm gonna put the link. And like I said, I will probably run some type of giveaway and, and give away a few copies of this book. Because like I said, it's been so beneficial for me. So please stay tuned. Check out the post on my Instagram or on my mailing list and get yourself a free copy. Until next time, if this episode resonated with you in any way, please share it out with your network and your friends. Please leave me a review on any podcast streaming platform there is. It always helps when it comes to getting the word out. And until next time, my dear friends, take care. Have a great and lovely day. Talk soon. Bye.